Welcome into the Jaguars broadcast week in review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. J.P. Shadrick with the best of the week from Jaguars Radio, Jaguars.com, and all our streaming platforms, Jags Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Let's begin with a reaction of the franchise tag applied to left tackle Cam Robinson. It's a $16.6 million salary in 2022 if he signs the tender, and Robinson and the Jaguars have until July 15th to work on a long-term deal. If they don't get one done, he plays on that number in 22. NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks and Jaguars.com senior writer John Osher on the Huddle Up podcast Wednesday on the free iHeartRadio app. Securing cam robinson on the tag and maybe a long-term deal it enables you to kind of free up yourself from uh having to commit to taking an offensive tackle at the top of the board um you still have the opportunity to put walker little in the lineup somewhere and then maybe you turn your efforts towards getting a pass rusher or another position at the top of the board bucky i think we talked about it last week but um in trying to sort of predict what they would do I kept going back to this, and we may have talked about it, and it's what may have uh, stuck in my mind. The idea that from a GM's perspective, when you're looking at your roster, you've only got X amount of players that you feel like are frontline guys. Had you let Cam go, you're taking one drop out of that bucket, if you will. And you've got to fill yeah. it back up with another drop, which would probably have been in the draft. Well, the idea of uh, of uh, keeping Cam is you keep that in the bucket and then add one more into the bucket. Uh, as the former scout, that's how personnel people think, right? Yeah, I mean, what you're trying to do is you're trying to look at it in team building. You're trying not to do it in an isolated fashion. So what you want to do is you want to weigh your options. If I have this player and that player, do I like that uh, option better than Okay, I can take this draft pick and another player. So it's almost like, um, what is the claim? Price is right. Showcase showdown, where you get opportunity <laughs> wow. to figure yeah, out which cool. one that you want at the end. Um, you get you get to figure out which one that you wanted in, and so that's what you're doing in the office. You're trying to figure out, okay, what gives us the best opportunity to hit all the needs and all of the things that we must address for the best personnel. And obviously, after doing the evaluation, Cam Robinson was in that picture because if you're Doug Peterson and you're trying to figure out what's the best way for us to get this rolling do I want to break in a newbie at left tackle do I want to go with someone who may have some flaws but at least I know what those are and we feel confident enough that maybe we can mask some of those deficiencies while getting the rest of the pieces of the puzzle right just remember John to have your pet spayed or neutered help control the pet population. <laughs> that's right that's right that's right um so now Bucky what you know I said last week, and I said all off season, this is the most uh, intriguing puzzle that I can remember on the Jaguars' offensive line, and maybe it's a reflection of the way the league's going in the sense that offensive linemen can play more positions now. You know, you see more guys who can play left and right tackle, uh, but I'm not sure what they're going to do. I mean, I'm assuming Walker Little to the right. Does that mean Jawan Taylor swing? Does it mean he can play inside? Uh, who are you trying to bring back? I'm assuming Ben Barch is a starter and A.J. Cann's not. But I still don't know how this offensive line is going to look even with this move. And Jawan's not a left tackle, though, right? To swing, right? Buck? Well, um, or is he? You know, like, so So here's the thing. One, <clears throat> the right tackle and the left tackle, now they're more common than uncommon in terms of, like, being dissimilar in terms of job description and the kind of players that you want there. Now your right tackle needs to be just as 
nimble as your left tackle because teams are putting the premier pass rusher at left defensive end against the right tackle. So uh, I think with Walker Little, he can go there. I think Juwan can kind of kick inside. Uh, you have to make a decision and a determination. What's the best five that you can put on the field? And with a new offensive line coach and a new offensive philosophy, it would be interesting to see how they hold their best five in, in, in top regard. And let's be honest, how do they view Walker Little in comparison to the other guys that are in this draft class at the top? If they view him as better, then maybe that might be the impetus between what, behind why they may bypass an opportunity to take a guy at number one. A lot of it is due to the self-evaluation and how you really evaluate your team compared to what could be available on free agency and in the draft. Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman joined me on Jaguars Happy Hour Radio Thursday afternoon on 1010XL for more Cam Robinson discussion. If I'm Cam Robinson, I'm probably you know, just going to go ahead and sign it because I, I think it's going to end up being just like very similar to last year. It's mm-hmm. going to be a one-year deal. And I think it was the right thing to do. You think so? For, first of all, Cam Robinson is a, is, a, is a solid, good football player. And I don't want anybody to have the impression because he got franchised that he's one of the best left tackles in football. That's, that's not what he is. He's a good, he's a good football player. Which means that he's middle of the pack, to, you know, to sometimes maybe you know backward part of the middle part of the pack, but he's a he's a starter. He's a starter, and he's a starting caliber left tackle in this league. And those players are not cheap. And so you want to, and when when you're a football team that hasn't won a lot of games in the last decade, you want to keep all the best players that you possibly can. So that you're not trying to fill holes. I mean, you you have enough holes to fill as it is already. That's why your record has been the worst in the National Football League two years in a row. You've got to concentrate on getting better. And the way that you get better is that you get better players. And, And putting the tag on Cam Robinson is the right thing to do. Does it change any of your plan going forward in free agency and in the draft? I think free agency, it might change a little bit of what you would do because if you didn't tag him, you might end up looking at another option who uh, uh, goes by the last name of Armstead, okay, to yeah. maybe play your left tackle position. It might cost you a little bit more money. Yeah, more than more than 16.6, huh? But from the standpoint of changing what you would do for the draft, I don't think it changes anything. Nothing. Nothing. So they could still go with tackle at number one overall. Absolutely. And then let the new guy play somewhere else. Absolutely. And then figure it out. If Jonathan Ogden, who is, and, and you go back to this story, which the uh, Cleveland Browns slash Baltimore Ravens, because that was the, the Tony Jones was a starting left tackle for the Cleveland Browns before the organization made the move to Baltimore. Tony Jones was one of the better left tackles in football. And so they drafted Jonathan Ogden with Tony Jones still at the left tackle position. They allowed Tony Jones to continue to play left tackle. Ogden played left guard, which was funny as all get out watching a six eight man get into a guard you know stance. I bet. But he was really good, even at guard. And then when Tony Jones moved on, then you had Jonathan Ogden to take over, and, and of course he had a Hall of Fame career. So can you play a draft pick at guard? Absolutely. Uh, can you play maybe somebody else at guard that you already have on your roster? Uh, maybe the guy that you drafted pretty high last year? Absolutely. I think Walker everything yeah. everything is on the table, and I've said this before. 
I'll say it again, and it's just my own personal belief. It doesn't come from anywhere inside the, the football brains of this organization. But I am a believer that Cam Robinson can be the, one of the best right tackles in football. And I think he's built to play right tackle. And if you ended up drafting a left tackle or you had Walker Little play left tackle or you had the draft pick play left tackle, Walker Little playing guard, I think that that would all be good for this football team. The better offensive line that you can put in front of Trevor Lawrence, the better your football team is going to be. And on the Jaguars Reporters Podcast Monday, before the official word came down, Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, Brian Sexton, and I on the options with the tag. If they want to re-sign Cam, I'd re-sign Cam. I'd try to find a, a way to make it work rather than put the tag on him and have him make almost $17 million. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I wouldn't do it, right, because you've got – Offensive tackles at the top of the first round, and there are some guys that people like at the top of the second round. So if you wanted to go pass rusher and then offensive tackle, you could do that. Mm -hmm. It makes sense to me to get younger and less expensive as opposed to stick with Cam, who you know what he is, but it's my own personal belief he's at at where he's at. That's the kind of player he's going to be the rest of his career. I don't think that's worth elite money. You know, the argument that I see for keeping Cam was Trent Baalke – and Doug Peterson both talked so much last week about we've got to keep our own. I don't get the idea that they're keeping DJ Chark, and I could be wrong on that, but at some point there's not a surplus. I don't know if you know this, Brian, or not, but there's not a surplus of good players on this roster right no, now. I've, they I've, need more. I've noticed that. So, <laughs> so the, the, the theory, if, you, if you're playing football mad scientist, is, is to keep a good player in Cam Robinson and add another good player in the draft rather than letting Cam Robinson go and bring a good player in. That's two good players compared to one. Two is more. Okay, you understand, though, you also have three offensive tackles on this roster that you can play with, mm-hmm. which not every team does. Right, and that's the dilemma. Which, that's, it's, it's what gives you the flexibility right. to do that. Uh, keep good players, yes. Don't overpay good players. And I may be the only person that thinks this, but I think if you pay him elite money, you're overpaying. And in free agency, you're going to overpay when you go out and grab one. But you're not going to go and sign a Terran Armstead from New Orleans. You're going to draft one, Evan Neal or Aquanu from North Carolina State. So that's just on my own personal belief. Or maybe, maybe I mean, the kids, most people agree they're going to go the way you're talking about. But, yeah. but it, it just depends on what they honestly mm-hmm. think. But you could get a good pass rusher at the top of the first round and a good offensive tackle mm-hmm. at the top of the second. Or, depending on what you wanted a pass rusher, you could get an elite tackle at the top of the first round and a good pass rusher at the top of the second. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, so it just depends on what you want. Yeah. And I don't know what they want. But you still need some receivers, though, Ashlyn. Yes, you do. And, and DJ Chark, it's, it's hard because he's such a good, a good person a great in this guy. building. But to franchise tag DJ Chark makes absolutely zero cents, $19 million. That's not the type of receiver he is right now. And I get the last thing you want is to let him leave the building and him become a superstar because it is a risk. They, just, they haven't seen it in it so much, what have you done for me lately? Okay. And they haven't seen it. Or come to a deal with them. I was just about to say, what if you if you want to keep both of those good players? You could. You absolutely could. Right. Get them both to numbers that make sense, that fit their value. Yeah, right. He ain't so, going to want numbers that yeah. make sense. No. That's the problem. Yeah. He, well, once, talk. He, once it gets free, then right. the numbers go up. Let me say it again. I totally believe that they should spend every penny to the cap the next three years before they have to pay the quarterback. Front load the deals. Get your own guys done. Spend the money the next three years. I don't care about a penny being rolled over. Make sure that you do deals that fit the next three years. Because when you have to pay the quarterback, well, then you become a lot like these teams, like the Saints and the and the Packers that have these elite quarterbacks that take up 20% of the cap. The archives of all the shows available on Jaguars.com or the official Jaguars podcast network on the iHeartRadio app.
When we return, draft talked with Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus, plus Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars' options at number one overall. All that after this. Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval exclusively from TIAA Bank. The Jacksonville Jaguars Visa debit card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go. And it's yours free when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Up your financial game today. Visit a financial center near you or find us at TIAABank.com slash JagsCard. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSB, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Our goal is to win football games, but we're going to do it one player, one coach, one person in the organization at a time. And to our fans, listen, I know you've been through a lot. You've been through a lot, but that's about to change. I'm not going to settle for anything less than a championship caliber, championship caliber team. That's a preview of The Hunt. Episode 1 dropped on Jaguars YouTube and Jaguars.com Thursday night. There will be episodes throughout the offseason building up to the start of the regular year. It includes behind-the-scenes access you can't get anywhere else. Our Jags broadcast crew puts in a lot of hours with outstanding access from the football leadership to make it work. So check it out over the next few months. Now to Jags Drive Time Tuesday morning. Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus recapping the NFL Scouting Combine with Ashton Sullivan, John Osier, and Brian Sexton. Mike, good morning. Hey, thanks for having me on. Still busy here. Absolutely. The grind never stopped pre-draft. Yes, we are in draft season officially. And speaking of draft, the Jaguars have the number one overall pick, obviously. And we heard so many options at the Combine offensive line. Hutchinson. What avenue do you foresee the Jaguars going down? And really, who's the best player, in your opinion? My opinion, the best player is Aiden Hutchinson. And when you're a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars that has needs littered all over that roster, I think you just got to lean best player. There are other avenues. I get that you want to help out Trevor Lawrence, but to me, there are other avenues to doing that that aren't just using that number one overall pick on that player. To me, Aiden Hutchinson proves that he is an elite edge rusher at the Combine. Obviously, on tape, his tape is night and day from literally anyone else in this draft class on the edge. You saw that Ohio State game. You saw that Iowa game. The way he dominated was Chase Young-esque in terms of how he took over. Um, and, and then he, maybe he didn't blaze the fastest 40, but his 10 split, you know, get off to 10 yards down the field in that 40 was the same as Trayvon Walker's. He ran a 4-5-1, which is all you really need defensive end. You really only need to go 10 yards. And then his three cone was almost identical to Von Miller's at six foot seven, two sixty. This guy can turn. This guy has that agility that you want off the edge. And to me – He's the safest thing in the draft. And with the Jaguars and the way they've drafted the past few years, they just need a W at this point. Hey, Mike, where did the first round grades end in the first round this year? I mean, I think last year I remember hearing that between pick eight and pick 40, there wasn't that much differentiation at any given position. Where, How many difference makers are there, truly elite players in this draft? That's the thing. This year's draft does not have nearly as many as last year's did. If you think back to last year, you went to pick like, 13 like Michael Parsons comes off the board at 12 you had Rashawn Slater at 13 those guys were pro bowlers you know year one which rarely happens and those guys were they weren't even thought of as you know, no one's even regretting it because the guys Jamar Chase Penesul the guys drafted ahead of them were lead too so to me there's really only a couple I'd call blue chip prospects at their respective positions and it's Aiden Hutchinson and Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame the safety like those are guys that are rare for their respective positions and there's a lot of guys who are in that first-round mix. So if once you get past the top few picks, I think the difference between like a, you know, everyone's talking about this tackle class, but like an Ikea Kwanu, 
and say a Trevor Penning out of uh, Northern Iowa isn't too dissimilar. So the first round grades to me end somewhere around the mid twenties, but this is a deep class on day two. I think second and third round grades, we had over 80 guys in that mix. So there's a lot of talent. Once you get past sort of like where the Jaguars would be drafted in the second round, third round, there's a lot of guys that should still be available then. Mike, speaking of that second round pick, I'm assuming that the Jaguars are going to be taking receiver there. That could be wrong, but that's my assumption. How strong is this group right around that area? And sort of secondly, uh, is this is this a case where you can get a pretty good wide receiver at the top of the third, or do you need to go top of the second to address that? Top of the third, I could see the class being cooked. The top of the second has been like the sweet spot in recent years, if you think about it. That's where Debo Samuel came off the board. That's where T. Higgins, Michael Pittman came off the board. That's where Elijah Moore came off the board last year. Like, There's been a lot of wide receiver talent that has been kind of NFL-ready and could even be your number one type of wide receivers that come off the board in the second. But by the third, not nearly as many once you get to there. Um, people still do well of identifying the athletes that win at that position. And they do go highly. So top of the second round, there could be like a Jahan Dotson. I could see a Chris Olave being on the board, maybe like a Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. There will be a lot of talent there that it's going to be, and even more so in this year's class than even last year's class, where you have a bunch of different body types. Last year was a lot of undersized guys that were coming off the board in round two. This year you have, you know, six foot three, uh, George Pickens from Georgia, who would have probably gone first round had he been healthy this year. You have Justin Ross from Clemson, who had over a thousand yards as a true freshman. Like you have, and he's six foot four. Like you have a lot of different body types that I think will still be on the board there where they're picking the top of the second round. It makes too much sense to give your quarterback some help there. Hey, Mike, outside of Aiden Hutchinson, whose virtues you've already extolled, who's your favorite player in this draft? I mean, regardless, first round, second round, day three, who's someone that you've fallen in love with for their production, the type of person they are, what you saw from them in Indianapolis? Well, the guy hasn't really even been talked about because I think he's everyone's favorite player, and it's Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. He's so unique in that he's six foot four, two twenty. The amount of safeties that are playing in the NFL today, six foot four, two twenty. I don't think there are any. Like he, he is a unique size, speed, explosiveness athlete at that position. And to me, he's very like, very much like Isaiah Simmons coming out, in that he's going to be coveted for his versatility. But to me, he's so much smoother than Isaiah Simmons. Uh, so much more productive in terms of getting his hand on the football at the collegiate level that I don't really care where you play him. Whoever does draft him, I think he's going to be a productive player. Jags Drive Time airs Tuesdays at 10 a.m. on Jaguars.com and the Jags social media channels. Bucky Brooks on prospects at the top of the draft after this. Welcome back. Renew now. Roar later. The time is now to renew your 2022 Jaguars season tickets. And season ticket members who renew by March 17th, that's St. Patrick's Day, will also be entered to win a trip to Canton, Ohio, as the Jags take on the Las Vegas Raiders in the Hall of Fame game. Plus, Tony Baselli will be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What a week that should be in Canton this August. Check your email and renew today. Let's wrap this week with another conversation from this week's Huddle Up podcast Wednesday. Bucky, John, and I get into the tackle situation, plus Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson. What about still drafting Mm. an offensive tackle? Mm. Keeping Cam on a one-year tag, Mm -hmm. playing Mm -hmm. Evan Neal at guard for a year. Beef it up. And then kick him out if you don't re-sign Cam to what you would hope is his long-term position at left tackle. The Jonathan Ogden plan, if you will, Buck. I mean, if you feel good about the guys at the top of the board, if you view any of these offensive tackles uh, like that, yeah, that's certainly an interesting plan. Um, I would say this. I would say after the combine, 
Um, rather than kind of penciling in Evan Neal for that, I think you have to talk about Iki Aquanu. Um, and maybe if you're going to think about that kind of plan, maybe Iki Aquanu, because he's not quite like the polished left tackle type in terms of just his playing style and his refined technique, but he is a bit of a bully um, in the bar. He, uh, he certainly would be intriguing if you opted to go about it that way. Wait a minute, uh, Bucky. I think it's a good option there. Hold, hold on. Hold, you hold, said hold, something. Hold, hold on. on. You tore up your board. What? You just changed your whole board. You just told me you never tear up a board. Now you tear up your board. You put Icky up top. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say that. I said the conversation <laughs> has to be that. It put the conversation in there. Like, all those guys are closely graded. Icky Kwanu, Evan Neal, even Charles Cross. Like, they all are. They all carry close grades. We're, we're still trying to sort it out. Bucky as flew we, back we to, to get him in order to and started taking Why? magnets off get the draft board. Yep, he's moving no, around. No, no. <laughs> no, we're just trying to get him in the neighborhood. I, I'm not trying to get him in the house yet. I got him until <laughs> April. I got to the end of April to get him in the house. I just got him in the neighborhood. We're behind the gated fence, gated community. We're in the gated community. I just don't know a house. Where does Aiden Hutchinson fall in your, uh, you know, among those offensive linemen? If you were in your board right now, Bucky Brooks' big board after mm. the combine, is Aiden mm. up there amongst those tackles? He's your guy, right, Buck? Yeah, he's he's, yeah, he's a good guy, man. He's 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 everything that you want. But I would say this: in having the opportunity to talk to all of those guys at the top, the only one I didn't talk to was Cross. I talked to. Uh, Evan Neal, I talked to Iki Kwanu, Aiden Hutchinson, I talked to Kayvon Thibodeau. All of them are fairly good. All of them are solid. All of them bring different things. The offensive linemen, Evan Neal and Iki Kwanu, they're very mature and serious about their approach. Uh, Evan Neal, to me, is kind of like the technician of the group. Uh, you kind of know what you're getting, you know. Whatever car you want to do it, I know we don't have sponsorship or whatever, but I would say, like, <laughs> it's just a solid car that is going to go. Because normally I would, I would reference, like, a, a Honda or a Camry, like, hey, you just put it in and run for 200,000 200, miles, yada, yada, but I can't do that. So, um, like, <laughs> solid. Uh, Iki Kwanu maybe have more upside than all of them, but he's a little more mauler brawler type. And so there could be some growing pains that you experience because he's not necessarily as refined as you want him. But what he brings is just a freakish athlete with outstanding uh, mauler brawler skills and a nasty temperament that, I mean, he changes kind of the temperature and the climate of, of your old line room when he steps in there. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson, to me, is a mix of all those things. Like when I talked to him and some of his teammates, they just talked about how he was the point on the sword. He's the unquestioned leader. His work ethic is, look, man, is, is, is unmatched in terms of the way that he sets the tone, how he comes in the building, how he works, how he plays, the effort that he displays in between the lines and those things. That said, there are some people that believe that he is what he is, and he may not get better. To me, I'm like, well, at least I know what I'm getting. I'm getting a very, very good player. And then Kayvon Thibodeau is the wild card because, look, by his own admission, he compared himself to Jadavian Clowney, which might not have been the best comparison to put out there, right? And in terms of, like, the flasher skills, in terms of um, those things, he later came back and told me the reason he made the comparison was he was trying to best his numbers at the combine, not necessarily playing style. But when you hear some of the stuff about him and those things, people have wondered whether he'll play hard enough consistently, whether he's maybe more preoccupied with the brand and all of those things. That's it. He's a really smart player. He's a really athletic player. 
And he is a known commodity in terms of what he was able to do on a big stage for three years at Oregon. Of those guys, I would say the safest pick to me would be Aiden Hutchinson. But I don't know if you could go wrong with the other guys as well that won. The Huddle Up podcast hits each Wednesday on the official Jags podcast network. And you're listening to the podcast network right now, most likely. So you probably know it's available on the free iHeartRadio app. Search Jacksonville Jaguars and subscribe to the network. What a week, and we're ready to legally tamper. The two-day negotiating period officially begins at noon Eastern Monday, and then the official start of the NFL league year, 4 p.m. Eastern time Wednesday. That's when deals can be made official. We'll have all the coverage on Jaguars.com. Enjoy the players at TPC Sawgrass and Ponte Vedra Beach this weekend when the weather allows at least. And thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank.